try my best to, amen, to speak in this text. And y'all should know this text because our bishop, he preaches a lot from this text. Amen. And I hope, I hope, Bishop, I didn't take one of your titles. I couldn't remember, you know, it came to my mind when I was reading, but I'm like, man, I could have swore I heard this title before. So if I did take it, I apologize, you know. But I always said I was going to preach one of your sermons, though, because I got some old archives of his that y'all don't even know, and I know it by heart. I can, so one day I might just get up and just preach it from front to back, and y'all won't even know that it was his. Amen. Shortcut. Amen. So we're going to start in verse 1. It says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. I'm going to skip down to verse 5. And he said, Peace of Peacefully, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Verse 6 says, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked up on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I'm going to skip down to verse 10. It says, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thine children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the word. You may be seated. I want to use for a title today, simply, He Saw Something in the Field. He Saw Something in the Field. And man, you know, when you live, and I know I'm saying this, it's going to sound like I'm sounding old, but I'm not. When you live, because I'm 18, when you live long enough, and when you start to understand life and gather understanding, you start to realize that it doesn't really matter what race you are what social class you're in, what economic background. It doesn't matter if you come from a two-parent household, single-parent household, no-parent household. The older you get, you start to realize that none of that stuff really matters because we're all plagued with issues and problems. No matter if you're rich, wealthy, or flat broke, if you're beautiful, 
ugly, smart, dumb. It doesn't matter. We all have issues of life. We all have problems. And oftentimes, we, we drive ourselves so crazy because we're trying to keep up with the many different narratives that are painted throughout society. And then you wonder why you work yourself up into a frenzy. You wonder why you're so depressed and you're so angry and so emotional because you're, you're so caught up in the status quo. And it's, it's amazing to me, because I'm dealing with a church perspective, when you're, when you're serving in church and you, and you see so many people who don't even realize their own potential because they're so stuck on irrelevant things. Relevant things of their past, relevant things that they're going through currently, that they can't even realize what's really on the inside of them. What makes them special? What makes them unique? What makes them great? It's a sad thing to see when you see so many wasted potential. Since this church has started 14 years ago, I've seen so many people who were awesome. They were awesome, but because they were plagued with the mentality that many of us suffer when we go through trauma things. After all, like I said, many of us, we have problems, we have issues. But when you allow those issues, when you allow those problems to plague you to the point where you become a shell of yourself, it is a problem. Because after all, we have to understand that in the end, God still has something in you from the beginning of time that he has impregnated in you that he wants to use. So understanding this text, understanding this, this, this text, King Saul was one that was chosen by the people. They wanted a king over them. They wanted someone that they could look to as a savior not understanding that they already had a savior, but they wanted something physical, something good to look upon, and they cry and begged and mourned enough to God, okay, you want a king? You can have a king. And so they chose King Saul. And king Saul went on to do some good things. You can't hate on the man. He did some good things, but King Saul also did something that we should never do. He disobeyed a command from the Lord. And when he did that, it angered God's soul. And you got to understand, rightfully so, because this is the man that y'all chose. This man over me. Me, the one who has brought you through the land of Egypt. The one who has done marvelous acts. When you go back and read, and I urge you to get in your Bible and start studying some of the history, because when you study some of this history, you'll build your faith upon God to understand that there really is nothing too hard nor impossible. But this God, me, I've done these great things, but yet you chose this man. This man who could not even follow one simple direction. And so God rejected him. But all along, he already had someone in mind. Someone who even Samuel didn't even know, didn't even recognize. And so he goes on down to Jesse's house, and he's looking for a king. And Jesse is putting all the best in front of him. And yet God is saying, no, 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 no. 
is there yet one more? And we understand in the text that the father says, well, there's, there's one. He's out there in the field. And he says, send him in. And what amazes me is the fact that how can a man of God ask you for your sons and you forget about one in the field? So it led me to start to study because, see, David is one of, I think in the church world, he's probably one of the most talked about characters in the Bible. Everybody loves to run to David. We either praise David for being a mighty warrior, for being someone who is, because he did some great things, I can't lie, and, and being an awesome musician, or we want to be like everyone else and go talk about David's sin. And I know if he was alive today, he would be tired of everyone wanting to rehash his sin and formulate a message out of his failures and his mistakes. But very rarely do we even really study and, and try to get some history on why David had some shortcomings. I've never really heard, besides our bishop, really talk about how David was raised and brought up. Because don't you find it kind of funny that how could your father kind of forget about you? And the way the text was kind of written, it was, it was almost as if the father really wasn't even studying David. He's just out there in the field tending sheep. So, you know, I start to look because I, I, I was fortunate to grow up in two-parent household, but I know a lot of people who did not have the blessing that I had, and, and I understand the, the sense of abandonment. And but then I can say this, I grew up the only child, so I understand the sense of loneliness, too. When you don't really have nobody that you can talk to, somebody that you can play with, so you, you, have, to, you have to kind of create for your own self. So you start developing certain habits, like talking to yourself. And y'all might think I'm crazy, but I used to talk to myself because I had no one to talk to. So I would sit down there. I remember one time... I was talking to myself, and my father came downstairs, and he was like, man, who are you talking to? <laughs> he said, he's like, man, I got scared because I didn't know who the heck you was talking to. I was like, hey, man, since I talked to myself, you know, because I grew up the only child. But understanding David, you understand that. He didn't really, it's not too much to describe about his childhood, about his father mentoring him and nurturing him and developing him and, 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 and his brothers you don't really see the camaraderie. Because if you go further down in, in, in Samuel, you'll understand that even his brother had a problem with him coming to the battle. So when you start to study, you start to understand that, 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 that David had to have had some issues in life. He had to have had some struggles because, after all, who was really behind David? Who was really supporting David? Who was really there for David? I'm talking to all of us this morning because all of us have some things in our lives that, that, that hurts us. Things that, that, that plagues us. Things that frustrates us. Things that makes us cry because you may not have had a mother or a father that you could talk to when you had to understand this life. 
you may not have had the friendship that you wanted, like the TVs and the shows portray of having a best friend. You may not have had the grandmother or the grandfather that you always have wanted. I can testify that one of the things that I always wanted was a relationship with my grandmother. Both of my grandmas, I couldn't have the best of the relationship with because we just, we just, me and my family were kind of outcasted in a way. But maybe some of us did not have that support that we thought we ought to have. And because of that, we have certain insecurities that we struggle with. Certain things that, that, that makes us tick because we just didn't have that backing that we wanted. And, and sometimes when we, when we struggle with those things, we, we look down upon ourselves. That's why there's so many depressed people. That's why there's so many people with identity crisis. And they're, they're, they're trying to be something that you know within yourself you're not. But it's really because you're struggling through not really having the greatest of support system, not really having the greatest of love. But you got to understand that through that all, God had David in mind. Through it all, God saw something in him that said, I'm going to use him to reign over my people. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying, thanks of God, we have to get to a place where we understand that God doesn't really care about the shortcomings of life. He doesn't really, only we rehash what we don't have. I can testify that when given opportunities, I'm always quick to put myself down. If someone says, hey, man, we want you to do this, I'm so quick to say, well, I don't know why. As if I'm unqualified. And many of us, we do that. When doors are opening, opportunities are open, instead of embracing it with confidence, we're quick to shun away because we feel like we're inadequate. But sex, you have to understand that from a technical sense, David was inadequate to be a king. He's a young man. And the Bible didn't say that he was a learned man. So obviously God has some type of favor with unlearned people. He was just in the field. The Bible didn't, didn't, didn't establish that he was a scholar and he was someone who, who had great education and had the, all these credentials. It just said he was in the field. Saying like the disciples who God would call and then later become apostles, they were unlearned men. What I'm saying is, saints, we got to get to a place where we stop judging ourselves so harshly as if who we are is not not worthy before God. You got to understand that who you are is who God loves. And because he loves you, he has a plan for you. See, some of us, we're so used to being depressed that we can't really receive that. Some of us are so used to to people, what people have said to us and what they have done to us that we've lost the ability to believe in ourselves. Saints of God, we have to understand that even in the midst of what David was doing in the field, even in the midst of all of his inadequacies and all of his struggles and all of his issues, God saw something. God saw something in David. And I want to encourage you this morning that God saw something in you. Yes. 
that your father couldn't see, that your mother couldn't see, that people who called themselves friends could not see. God saw something in you that you couldn't even see. How dare we develop the attitude to be depressed and be down when God saw me? Last time I checked, God is above all things. So if God saw something in me, who am I to believe what people say about me? It's so sad to see individuals now, they can no longer believe in themselves because of what man has said about them. And that's why I love this text, because this text gives us a viewpoint of how the Lord looks at his people. Because he said unto Samuel, look not at his countenance or at the height of his stature. See, the problem with us is we're so busy looking at the outside of a man. If she looks gorgeous and she looks beautiful, well, she, she should be over there and I shouldn't be because I'm not as beautiful as her are. If he's handsome, he's articulate and he can do this, well, he should have that position. I shouldn't have that position because that's not me. The Bible instructs us in this text that God doesn't think like that. And so because God doesn't think like that, we have no right to start thinking like that. The Bible says that because the Lord... He seeth not man who judges from the outward appearance, but he judges from the heart. I'm talking to some people today who, because of what they have gone through, because of what they have struggled with in their past, something has happened to your heart. Somewhere along the line of you growing up and going through things, your heart has begun to harden. It has changed from what God has purposed in your life for you to be. I come to tell you this morning that you're going to have to have heart surgery because there's something about you that God wants, but he can't use you until your heart is right for him. Saints of God, do not allow what the enemy is programming in society now to tell you that you are inadequate for what God wants to do with you. Saints of God, do not allow people who are ate up with their own issues, mean-spirited people, people who are jealous and envious, to get up in your mind and tell you what you are not. I come to tell you, saints of God, that no matter how you started this race, no matter where you came from, no matter your background, God saw something in you. I want you right now to give God some praise for the mere fact that God saw something in you. When others around you could not believe in you, God saw something in you. Uh, and sex of God, what I love about the story of David is the fact that while David was in the field, probably in his mind, probably thought this was all he was going to amount to in life. God came down and got him. And it reminded me of how many of us started when we were just doing what we were doing. And, and, and probably many of us, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I never saw myself evolving into no pastor because there was things about me that I'm not really confident about. That my jaw is crooked. I have an overbite, an underbite. There's just things about me that I 
I feel, well, I don't think I'm, I should be no pastor. But what I love about God is that when we were stuck in that rut that we was in, he still saw something in us. And, and where we draw encouragement from David is we draw encouragement that, that, that David didn't have to really do nothing. Beware of those who are always trying to put themselves out in the forefront. Beware of those. And even check yourself if you have that struggle where you feel like you always got to do something to be seen. After all, David wasn't doing nothing and God saw him. David wasn't doing nothing but doing what he was doing and God saw him. He didn't have to dress up in the finest of garments. He didn't have to change his speech and articulate himself in a way in which it was pleasing. He didn't have to do none of that. He just kept doing what he was doing. And God saw him, anointed him, and changed his life. What I'm saying this morning is, saints, don't stop doing what you're doing. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop clapping your hands. Don't stop worshiping God. Don't stop being pure before him. Don't change that and start acting sedity and acting uppity and acting all kinds of, of fakeness that we see in church today because God still saw you. And if God saw you, he's getting ready to anoint you and change your life. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Wasn't going to preach this morning. Amen. I just wanted to encourage, encourage us because the church world is we're, we're in a new age and technology is, 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 is programming everyone and and, and that's why the suicide rates are so high. And that's why we're, we're not really seeing uh, uh, great things no more because, you know, we just, we have lost vision, vision of ourselves. We've, we, we're now, we're, we're, we're stuck in what uh, society tells you you have to be and how you have to dress and how you should talk and what you should do and, and what you, and, and, and many of us, we, we, we're lost. We're lost in that, amen, but, but you got to remember that God doesn't care about none of that. He just cares about your heart, and if your heart is pure, if your heart is pure, God, God's going to do something with you, amen? Come on, let's give God praise, amen, for the word, amen. I want to, I want to encourage us, amen, we have, we are we are transitioning to the second half of the year, and we're getting ready to go into a new building, new community, new things. Amen. This is new. Amen. This is new for all of us. Amen.